Hi, everybody. Welcome to Unhitched But Not Unhinged podcast with me, your host, Tessa James. I'm your divorce coach. And as always, by my side, my co-host, Susan. Hi, Hi, everyone. Hi, Tess. (laughs) So it's time to tackle another topic and help bring awareness to just how valuable partnering with a divorce coach can be. So the Unhitched But Not Unhinged podcast and content posted by Tessa James is presented solely for general informational entertainment and educational purposes thank you so much um so if you're even contemplating a divorce it's just in in the front of your mind in the back of your mind or you're actually going through a divorce currently this podcast is for you so i want to welcome somebody really special today his name is michael lawrence hi michael how are you today i am doing really well thank you for inviting me to participate in your show I'm so happy that you're here. You have such a wealth of knowledge and you're so professional. I could just go on and on and on, but I'm so excited that you're here. So welcome. Tell everybody a little bit about what you do and who you are. Okay, great. Well, um, I am a real estate broker. I have been licensed in the state of California for 17 years as a real estate agent and became a broker about eight years ago now. And um, so I help people with one of the largest purchases and or sales of their lives. So I take a lot of pride in what I do, and it's an honor to help, you know, with this sort of major purchase or sale. And your brokerage is GML Homes? That's correct. Yes, GML Homes. I had been with several different brokerages in the past and felt that it was about time for me to kind of branch out and create GML Homes, which is obviously my namesake. Fantastic. Uh, Again, thanks so much, Michael. Um, let's talk about some issues, um, people wanting to sell their homes and they're going through a divorce. Um, basically, I mean, your home is like the biggest asset. Um, let's talk about how you handle conflict and how will you handle conflict when you're dealing with somebody that's going through a divorce. And divorce is almost all conflict, right? <laughs> Good point. <laughs> well, you know, it's funny because I'm actually helping a couple right now that are going through a divorce. and. You know, in dealing with conflict, obviously there's quite a bit of conflict and um, there's quite a bit of conflict as we're going through the process. And, you know, really it's a factual sort of situation for me. I'm fact gathering and I am dealing specifically with the facts and I'm trying to, you know, be empathetic to both sides of the transaction because technically I'm working for both parties. So, you know, I don't have side conversations unless it's a support sort of situation. Everything is above and be you know above board, and everything is really well communicated out. Yeah, that communication so, is super important, especially mm-hmm. that it's not siloed, right? Correct. Yeah, because then you'll get into uh, you know you'll get into situations where he said, she said, and then you get the lack loss of trust, which mm-hmm. I think is what makes this the most important um, you know sort of aspect of of dissolving a relationship is you know having trust in those professionals that are supporting you. Absolutely. So do you have ever have an opportunity or are you faced with having to discuss anything with um, maybe your seller's attorney? You know, it's a rare occasion. I imagine that it's going to be specifically when the attorney is given power of attorney mm-hmm. by a party. And that would be very specific where, you know, I am not going to talk to an attorney unless they are provided with power of attorney and they're you know speaking on behalf of their client because I technically am working for the owners of the homes and not the attorney. Yeah, absolutely. That's a really, really good point. 
So do you have any specific training um, or anything that you have to really be conscious of as far as real estate laws and how they affect real estate and, and when a party's going through a divorce, how that Im impacts the sale of the house or? You know, as a real estate broker, I've had decades of, you know, being in the industry and also the fact that I have a higher standard because I am a broker. Um, going through the transaction, you know, we have a lot of support staff that work with us. So for example, we have a title company. We have an escrow company. All of these individuals are impartial entities, as am I in this sort of situation, that help guide the process through you know, the transaction of selling an asset, because that's really what we're looking at here. Um, so training, when it comes to dealing with this sort of transaction, again, I've been in, let's say, the professional industry of hotel asset management for over 30 years and have had you know multiple employees in my you know my oversight and currently oversee two properties in uh hawaii and i have 60 employees mm -hmm. so you know understanding that every issue that's brought to your attention is a very valid issue whether you believe in it or not mm -hmm. um, and treating it as such is what's really important as we go through the process of selling your property mm -hmm. Absolutely. And I, I can say firsthand because you and I have worked together uh, on a real estate, real estate purchase and mm -hmm. sale. Um, tell me a little bit about this couple that you're helping. Of they're, course, complete they're anonymity. They're a really couple. And I'll, I will be as vague as possible. They're a very okay. sweet couple. I adore them both independent of each other and together as they were a couple. They grew apart. And, you know, as oftentimes that's what happens. Mm -hmm. There was, unfortunately, in this situation, there was no cheating. There was no infidelity. There was no financial infidelity. It just, they grew apart. They grew different directions. Mm -hmm. And, you know, maintaining that sort of relationship, both professional and personal with each one has been really interesting to kind of segregate them into their own categories. Um, so they're going through a divorce. They have an asset in Los Angeles and they are working through the details of selling the property. And they're working through some details and finalizing, let's say a permit on the property so that we can get the home ready for sale. So I'm working through all those, you know, particulars with each one independent of each other because they're just not communicating with each other. I showed the property this past week and they were literally arguing with each other. So me, I'm being impartial. I'm strict sticking with the facts, reminding them we have a showing coming in a few minutes. And, um, you know, again, trying to, you know, be as impartial as possible, especially it's got, it's me knowing them. It's hard to be neutral. It is. It's very difficult yeah. with me knowing them for over 10 years, too. Yeah, especially wow. that. For yeah. Sure. Yeah, for, for sure. sure. And I'm sure you have your opinions and everything. But, you know, and I can say Michael's so professional and he mm -hmm. really, really does such a great job in working with both sides and both mm -hmm. people, buyer, seller, et cetera. And uh, he does have a very calming presence. And you do have a very trustworthy nature. Look at that face. <laughs> he does. He has such a good nature, so professional. And um, I'm sure you're just successful at what you do. And I understand why. Let's talk a little bit about California and community property and community property presumption in California. And as a reminder, the unhitched but not unhinged podcast um, and content posted by Tessa James is presented solely for general informational, educational, and entertainment purposes. So, 
So we are discussing the biggest asset, or typically what is the biggest asset in a couple's or a marriage, and that is your real estate and your home. Yeah, one of them for sure. Yeah. And in California, property that spouses acquire during the marriage is community property, except for gifts, inheritances, and profits or rents on separate property, such as a second home or business that has owned be- that has been owned before the marriage. Also, um, California law presumes that all property spouses acquire during the marriage has joint tenants is community property, unless they have written proof otherwise, such as a clear statement or a written agreement that it is separate property. So, for instance, your house would be community property, and both you and your spouse would have an equal interest in it if you, one, bought the home during marriage, are both listed on the title, and used only community property funds for the down payment and mortgage payments. And this is really, really important. Of course, it's not always that simple, but for example, say you and your spouse bought bought a home during the marriage, but the title is in your spouse's name only. Based on the title, the law presumes that the home belongs to your spouse as separate property. You might be able to overcome that presumption by providing the two, the two of you had an agreement that you both owned the house, but you'll need a strong evidence and need strong evidence to back up your claim. Mm. Do you have anything to add on that, Mike? You know, that last statement that you made about a, a home that's owned by one of the partners going into a relationship prior to going into that relationship, mm-hmm. What I've experienced in the past is that as long as both parties post marriage are contributing to that household, the party that's not on title is equal to potentially 50% of the gain in value mm. of that home from the time of marriage to the time of divorce. So let's say, for example, the property, simple math, property goes up half a million dollars mm-hmm. during the 20 years they own it. And the party that's not on title is contributing to the household. Mm-hmm. They're entitled to potentially 50% of that gain. That's a really, really good point. And a lot of people don't realize that. Mm-hmm. However, you do have to prove that what you have put into that home actually went towards renovations and improving improving the home. Um, right. But not necessarily, you know, not difficult to do. You definitely mm-hmm. can do that. Right. Um, also, um, I came from a situation where my former spouse had separate property in his name only. Mm. He did, uh, he withdrew funds out of the equity. So he took a home equity loan as the down payment on our new marital home. So we got married and then we both bought a home. But the actual down payment funds were from his separate property. So what I had done was I had um, a form that he filled out saying that we both shared in that down payment, that they were actually considered community and marital funds, Mm -hmm. and that um, I wouldn't have to pay that back, actually. And it was notarized and signed and everything else. Well, that piece of paper was um, and came to be so important because... We filed, you know, mm-hmm. for divorce and going through di- the divorce proceedings that was brought up because he, of course, thought he was going to get that down payment back. Mm-hmm. And that wasn't the case. Well, you know, I have a question for you, Michael. So what um, have you come across a situation where, let's say, um, you're selling a home that's in trust? Mm-hmm. You know, um, how do you handle that? Or is that something that has to be handled before you work with the couple? And then my... Um, other question is if a couple is purchasing a home and let's say let's say they're married they purchase a home 
but for some reason or another, they want the home titled under just one of one spouse. Have you ever come across anything like that? And how would you advise the people buying the home at that point? Selling a home in trust is just really understanding the trust and reviewing the trust document mm. and understanding who the trustees are on that on that state, essentially. That typically is handled through title because title is the one that is going to convey a clear title, essentially, and they would require all trustees to participate in the transaction. Okay, so, uh, I, so I have another question for you, Michael. So what if um, a married couple is purchasing a home and for some reason they decide that only one person is going to be on the title? Have you ever run across that and would you ever advise anybody for or against that? You know, that happens more often than not. The reason is typically credit related. So one individual can get the loan. If the other individual, the other partner in that transaction cannot because of credit, they usually go with the route of having one person on the loan and on title. And they often have an agreement that post close of escrow that they will, uh, you know, they'll do a grant deed and add the second spouse to the title. Mm-hmm. Oh, right. But still in the state of California, even if one spouse is on the loan, mm-hmm. uh, and even if the title is, you know, just in that person's name and not it doesn't have the other spouse on there, mm-hmm. if the property was purchased during the time of marriage, it mm-hmm. is it is deemed community property. It really is. So, and I'll give you an example in my own pers- personal sort of uh, life. I'm married. And I purchased an investment home recently. And because we didn't want to go through the hassle of all the additional paperwork required for my spouse, my spouse quit claim the property to me. Mm-hmm. So you cannot enter, enter into a purchase if you're married without having a quit claim from your partner. I see. Which is what Tess just pointed out as well. Yeah. Okay. It's very interesting. It a lot is. to think about, for sure. You a can't lot just to think about. Be willy nilly about it. No, so. no. And I, I really would encourage people to, that are newly married, or are thinking about purchasing, you know, a home together, and they are married, or even if they're not, and they're they're engaged. Mm-hmm. I mean, really get a good sense of what you're dealing with in, in California laws, and um, talk to Michael about it. And Michael, where can people reach you and get in contact with you? You know, there are several locations. They go to they can go to my website, which is gmlhomes.com, or they can call me, 310-406-4739. Um, easiest route is probably the website. My contact information is there. Excellent. And I'm always available. Uh, you can reach me via my website as well, www.trustintessa.com. All of my contact information is there. Well, I think that's a wrap. Thanks, Michael. It was so nice speaking to you. And thanks, Tessa. Um, Thanks for explaining the benefits of partnering with you as a divorce coach. And thanks for tuning in, everyone. Um, Interested in chatting with Tessa? Please go to Mm www.trustintessa.com and book a complimentary discovery session with her. Yeah, thanks, everybody. And I do want to um, just make a quick mention. Yesterday was World Cancer Day. And Michael and I have known each other for quite a while, haven't we, Michael? Many, many years. And we also know a couple of really wonderful women that have gone through 
um, some bouts of cancer recently, actually. And as a cancer survivor myself, I want to mention that um, I have partnered with a cancer foundation, a breast cancer foundation called Know Your Lemons. And a small percentage of what my clients pay me goes directly to this foundation. And you can get more information, again, on my website, www.trustintessa.com. I love that. Know your lemons. Know your lemons. Have a positive and productive day, everybody. Okay.